0: You are now tuning in to the Own the Build podcast. Join C-Link's very own Paul Hemming, where each week he interviews experts from the world of construction and asks all the important questions around intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode 120, another milestone of the Own the Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming. As last week, and as per all of the last few weeks, we're continuing to give our free download giveaway. And in the podcast description, you can find two documents, a BOQ template and a vesting certificate template. What more could you want in your life, really, guys, than two free templates like that? I am on paul-link.com. at That's paul-link.com. at Everyone who keeps on reaching out, I appreciate it. If you haven't, feel free to do so. Let me know what you think. Let me know if there's any other documents that you would like us to produce and template for you. In the studio today, I am joined by Connor Mennell. Connor is a construction solicitor specializing in transactional and contentious dispute work at Gordon's LLP. Connor has negotiated and advised on the terms of building contract, knows the GACT and NEC inside out, and uh, he's not even wincing when I say that. So that, that's a good thing. Um, Connor also has experience resolving disputes through litigation, adjudication, mediation, the list goes on. Today, we're going to be talking about smash and grab adjudications and as always when we talk contracts i'm excited connor welcome to own the build for the first time it's a real pleasure to have you how's it going thanks
1: i'm uh, i'm good thank you i'm excited to see what this is all about and a bit
0: of a chat i'm more excited to be honest with you about that delightful accent that you have where is it from because i think it might be a, it might be an own the build original that accent
1: yeah it's uh it's a delightful little Hull accent so I, I dread listening back to this and hearing what I sound like.
0: You and, you and me both, mate. I always dread listening back. So that's why I don't. Um, yeah, no, I've, I think you're the first accent we've had from Hull. I've never been to Hull. Tell me something about the place.
1: How long do you have? Um, I, I may need to think for a while to think of something good here. I, 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 I love Hull, to be fair. It's, um, it's, it gets a hard knock, I think. Having said that, I was a living Leeds now. So, but yeah, it's good. I like you know, it's, you, you know where you're from, don't you? So I I feel
0: comfortable going back there. Um, it's a bit like Birmingham, isn't it, in terms of reputationally? People talk it down, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. But, the, 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 you know, there are opportunities wherever you're from, there are rough areas wherever you're from. Same in every city, yeah. isn't it? It's just a case of knowing, knowing where to find the, the good spots.
0: Indeed, indeed. Well, look, I'm delighted to have our first whole accent on the show. I'm delighted to have you on the show. We're going to talk about smash and grab adjudications contextually so you're a const- i've introduced you as construction legal solicitor you're an expert in contract law do a much better job of introducing yourself and talking about your experience than i could
1: <laughs> well you did so well paul so oh thanks that's a challenge but <laughs> so i've been qualified around two years now and did a couple of seats training in construction as well so about three years worth of experience overall and yeah, like I said, do do a mixture of both the contentious and non-contentious, as lawyers like to call it, disputes and transactions, in normal people speak. And I I, I enjoy that. It's good to see, good to see both sides of the fence because you know I don't want to spend my whole life arguing, but it's fun every now and again.
0: What do you prefer?
1: And <laughs> um, well, given the sort of balance of our team and how our workload has been, I've done more on the dispute side so far and I mean adjudications are quite fun to be involved in the obviously high pressure deadlines all over the place which you don't know, too many of them going at once but it's uh, it you know gives a bit of adrenaline isn't it from the pressure and the deadline and a clear result at the end and, if you get one yeah but it's a, it's a good chance to sort of be in the trenches with clients as well because you sort of feels like you're on fighting on the same side um and It's a chance to be with the client, part of the business fight and and helping them to defend the business, achieve their goals and you sort of get that sense a little bit more in adjudications and on transactions, I think.
0: Nice, nice. And you've you've, you've segued me fantastically onto uh, the topic of today's conversation. So we're going to talk about smash and grab adjudications. We'll get onto what they are, why they exist, etc. shortly, but... I mean, when we were chatting offline, you said this is a topic that you thought was particularly relevant today. You're seeing a big increase in the number of smash-and-grab adjudications. Stupid question, perhaps, but is cash flow a real problem for your clients today?
1: Some. and um, there, there are some who, you know, as with anything, who do really well at the minute and making the most of the opportunities out there equally given the state of the economy. It is a problem for a lot of people. It's always a problem at times, isn't it, a cash flow? Because um, cash is what keeps businesses running. But it's definitely been something we're seeing a lot more over the last 6 to 12 months, whether it's smash and grab adjudications or other forms of debt recovery processes, um, you know, winding up positions, statutory demands, that sort of thing. Um,
0: and are you working with main or subcontractors or, or kind of both? Both, really, yeah. i um, a couple of employers as
1: well. So yeah, we we operate across across the full sector really, and we've got quite a good spread of clients here. What I would say is that there's been an uptick in what what you would think of as lower level debts that people are trying to recover, which they might not ordinarily go to lawyers and in care legal fees. To try and recover. Scary like you. Exactly. And our or scary invoices as well, no doubt. Um <laughs> but because of the struggles that they're having and because cash flow is, cash flow is so essential at the moment, they think it's worthwhile doing that.
0: And would that be you you talk about low level? Are you talking about like reclaiming retentions? You're talking about in project disputes, like what what, what are you seeing a lot of? Yeah, retentions
1: to an extent and some, you know, so I guess you'd call them tidying up applications at the end of the job, you know, 20 grand here, 50 grand there, which although to, to, in the current climate that that money is essential to some businesses and their cash flow, when you get lawyers involved in that, you know, inevitably that not, that eats into that already and you might only recover, you know, it might be 25%. Of the amount you're looking to recover that our
0: fees are people are still trying for it yeah
1: exactly because that's important money for them at the moment
0: and so i mean that in itself is kind of indicative of perhaps the economy the state the state of the industry and where we're at and that people are kind of fighting for every penny which which, which makes perfect sense and so when we talk about we've talked about adjudications on this show before we've talked about the construction act on this show before and many of the listeners will know what both are but before we go into kind of the detail of what a smash and grab adjudication is I think it's helpful just to ground the conversation once again in first what the act is and what happened and then what adjudications are and then what smash and grab adjudications are so can we kind of talk around that yeah
1: absolutely so The Construction Act is the place to start, isn't it? Um, Obviously, casting casting our minds back a good few years. I think it's about 25, 27 years or so. You weren't
0: even around. I wasn't. I know. Figment of imagination.
1: Not even a thought. Not even a thought, (laughs) Paul. Yeah, the, the policy behind it was basically to ensure that subbies and contractors from employers aren't being bullied and effectively going into a dark place where there's no recovering from because they're not getting paid on spurious grounds, they're not getting paid until a contract has been paid by the employer or they're coming up with a very minor, minor issue to cast an aspersion of a dispute and use that to withhold payment. So the Construction Act was brought in and everyone will be familiar with what it does now, even if they don't know the act itself, because it effectively creates the payment regime that's in all
0: construction contracts in some form or another. Application date, due date, pay notice date,
1: blah, blah, blah. Exactly. So it means that everyone has the right to an interim payment if the contract is suited to that. Obviously, it could be milestone payments or it could be if it's just a simple job at the end of the job. But everyone has the right to an interim payment and they have the right to adjudicate on that if there's a dispute. So that's, I, f- I think that's that's a broad overview. We could probably do a separate podcast about all the details of yeah, it. Yeah, so no, I was we'll, going we'll go to just
0: drilling into it. Just you, you said something there, and I, it resonates, right? So you said the act was initially introduced to stop contractors being bullied, effectively on the topic of cash flow. By their clients, whether that client is a client or a main contractor to a subcontractor, right? Has it worked, in your opinion?
1: It's difficult for me to say, given as we said, I was I was butterfort back in the old days. Does but it? I, does I it think, work? Yeah, it, it does. It it gives a mechanism by which people can have it out, adjudicate, and get their money. However, it's not a perfect system by any means. I did, there are still ways contractors and employers can withhold money if they see fit. Obviously, sometimes that is right. And I'd act for clients where they're perfectly entitled to to withhold money. They, they simply don't agree with what contractor or subcontractor is saying and they should be entitled to dispute that. Equally, you know, there are occasions where, yeah, you, you just think that
0: yeah, they're, they're just having it on a bit here playing the That's game. That's the thing, isn't it? The that you, you do have the rules of the game. There's rules of engagement, and whenever whatever game you're playing, there are going to be people that push the boundaries and the rules of those games, right? I guess so the reason I'm asking is you've explained that you work with clients, so down the chain to main contractors, you work with main contractors who have the problem up and down the chain, and you work with subcontractors who have the problem up the chain getting paid, right? Which is my experience, so. I guess my question is, having experienced all those different sides and sometimes doing the right things, sometimes, you know, I guess it, playing the game, for want of a better phrase, is there anything that you would change about it that you you see could be better?
1: Well, I, I don't like smash and grab adjudications. Because um, <laughs> more often than not, I think they're abused. Um, okay. Rather than being a good tool, it would be... Very complicated, I think, to come up with a better system that differentiates,
0: particularly on a forty-minute podcast, right? Exactly, I think we'd need a full, full, <laughs> full day, other podcast Week.
1: potentially going over a couple of hours, um yeah. to discuss how how we'd change it. But yeah, it's, it's I, I think it works to an extent, but the problem is obviously for especially subcontractors who don't have as deep pockets, shall we say, as a main contractor typically does. You still have to have the cash to bring in adjudication, and it's not insignificant. Um, the outlay for no guarantee, um, and obviously the thing with adjudications is, even if you win, you don't get your legal fees covered by the other side. So that's that's an imperfection, and that's something that I think could be could be looked at. But it's part of the rough and ready nature of adjudications.
0: You see, we're getting there, aren't we? we we're already starting to flex the cut. You're already thinking, I've got you thinking now about how we could change it, which is interesting. But your main gripe, it sounds, is smash and grab adjudications. It's the first thing that came off your tongue when I asked you then. And it's obviously the reason that we're sat here today. So let's talk about that. Talk to me about smash and grab adjudications. What are they? So the principle is that.
1: If someone doesn't comply with our obligations under the contract, which is supposed to reflect the Construction Act, i.e. someone submitted an application, a response needs to be put into that within, say, five days to give a payment notice. If someone doesn't do that, let's say a main contractor, the subcontractor is then entitled to bring an adjudication if they, if they need if the final date for payment doesn't result in a payment being made
0: so so let, let let let's let's contextualize exemplify this right i'm going to be the subcontractor you're going to be the main contractor the contract says your application needs to be submitted on the 1st of the month for simplicity and i'm expecting either a payment notice or a pay less notice by let's just say for the sake of ease the 10th right the 10th goes by it's now the eleventh I, as the subcontractor, write to you as the main contractor and say, "My application was for a hundred thousand. you haven't given me a pay less notice or a payment notice, therefore, I'm assuming it's a hundred thousand. I expect a hundred thousand to be paid on the thirtieth, right yeah,
1: yeah, so if you don't submit notices you you in time you lose the right to challenge it on on an interim basis. The idea being that you know this scheme is brought in by the Construction Act to ensure that people do comply with their their obligations and that people get paid. So a contractor can't just not give that payment notice or pay less notice.
0: Which is a good thing.
1: And get out of paying for that reason.
0: So it gets to the 30th of the month. I'm calling you up. Connor, where's my 100 grand, mate? Where is it? Where is it? And you say, I'm not paying you 100 grand. Or you don't even say anything, right? It gets to the first. So uh, the whole cycle has expired. I'm now in a position where I think, hang on a minute, you haven't complied with your requirements. What do I do as the subcontractor to instigate a smash and grab adjudication?
1: So, adjudications are actually fairly simple to to get off the ground. All that needs to be present is a dispute. Now, a dispute can be pretty much anything. If the notified son hasn't been paid by the final date for payment,
0: that's your dispute. So our dispute is crystallised between me and you because I'm saying you owe me 100 grand because of 1st, 10th, 30th. You haven't complied with that. Yeah. You say, no, no, it's not. And I say, right, I'm gonna, that's a dispute. I'm going to adjudicate on it. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: So then, then the process of adjudication can be commenced. You you say, have you notice of adjudication? Uh, within seven days of that, you have to both appoint the adjudicator and issue the referral to the adjudicator and the other side at the same time. Now the referral is basically your claim. In short, it's, it's what all of your evidence and all of your legal argument needs to go into. And once that's served, the other side then respond and a decision has to be reached by the adjudicator in 28 days.
0: So I do that on the first of, I'm trying to think where we are. I do that on the first of the following month. By the 29th, theoretically, I've got a decision. So I'm still waiting. This is where it kind of becomes, it almost feels like it's a little bit moot to some degree, right? Because on the first of the following month, I'm creating this adjudication, but I'm also submitting my application Hmm. for that month as well, right? So I'm doing all of that concurrently. And then at the end of that month, I would theoretically, I should win because... That 100k contractually is due to me you made the mistake yeah so I get paid that hundred grand that all makes sense what I want to talk to you about after the break is why you don't like it so let's do that but let's do it right after this break Hello it's me again I wanted to share a quick story with you on why I co-founded ceiling with my best mate Chris Chris and I We're both QSs, and this is going to sound sad, but one night, we were sat in the pub talking about subcontract tendering, and we realised the industry had a problem. Number one, procurement was too paper-based. Number two, it was too time-consuming, and every QS had their own unique way of doing things. And number three, perhaps most importantly, if you want to competitively tender, you need to know hundreds of the best subcontractors. We simply didn't. That's why we created C-Link, it's software to solve subcontract tendering. We wanted to remove these challenges and help the industry get better. So if you, or someone you know, tenders with subcontractors, you've got to see our software. Head over to our link, www.get.c-link.com forward slash podcast to find out more. I will include it in the description box. So again, there's no excuses. Now, let's get right back to the show. So, Connor, you have uh, we put ourselves in a situation where you're not paying me. You're a mean main contractor and I'm a subcontractor not getting paid, which I can tell you it's a f- position I've been in in the past. <laughs> so you've taken me back to a bad, bad place. Here. <laughs> All jokes aside. Uh, dark dark memory is flooding back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's not right. It's not right. So I know that this is quite a simple example. The example was I put an application for 100 grand on the 1st. You were due to come back to me on the 10th. You didn't. I was then due to be paid on the 28th which I wasn't and therefore I'm now saying that you owe me the 400,000 and I'm going to adjudicate on it now in my simple little mind as a subcontractor who feels that he's due that money in this very simple example I'm struggling to see what your problem is. Um, but you came here with the view of smash and grab adjudications. I'm not sure about them. I want to talk about them because there's problems with it. So I'm interested to understand why you think that.
1: Yeah. So I think your example is is probably the process at its purest. That that's what it's meant to deal with. So I completely agree with you in that situation. Someone's not putting the notices, they're not intending to deal with it, they're stonewalling you. That's that's fair enough you're you know you're perfectly entitled. And
0: Use the adjudication. That, that's that what point. it's there for. Yeah,
1: exactly. Okay. What we see, and I think what is more common is... Here we go. <laughs> the they're, they're, they're almost used as a negotiating tactic. They're, they're a strategy. And, they're and they generally come in on sums which are genuinely disputed and someone's seen an opportunity, whether it's it's completely... Valid, they've seen an opportunity to get in there and get some leverage in the negotiation and effectively, you know, have the metaphorical gun to someone's head and try and get them to the table and use that to their advantage. And invariably, it's on some minor procedural issue rather than it being a case where someone's genuinely not complying with their obligations.
0: So, uh, in our example, if we jazz it up a bit and de simplify it, so our example. Is actually, I'm. Um, it's it's an application towards the very end of the project. It's almost like getting towards the final account. That hundred grand, eighty five thousand pounds of it is one hundred percent disputed. We've been arguing about this variation or this claim. Let's say, back and forth for six months, and I'm actually saying, "Ha, you're late, so I'm due all of that money," and that gets me to where I kind of want to get to, final account wise, uh, and. I'm going to do a smash and grab adjudication, and I'm doing that. Maybe not even because I want to go to the adjudication, but I now see I can get my phone I can get agreed what I want to because you were three hours late, or one day late, or someone was sick. <laughs> exactly,
1: yeah. And I've, I've actually had quite a big, quite a big. You've been dispute. doing that yourself, haven't you? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I Can't comment on that, but I, had, I have have had that situation where someone was out of the office, um, so they responded to. A payment application a day late, um, and we had to adjudicate off the back of that. So it it happens, and that that is situations and circumstances that we that we do see. And you know, in that situation where the sum is genuinely disputed, invariably there will then be a second adjudication, what we call a true value adjudication, because the smash and grab isn't just the end of the story; it's the interim technical argument someone the subby gets the cash in the pocket but then there might then be another argument about it further down the line this true value adjudication more legal fees more time and you know that that could either have been done to start with or you just get into a position that you would always have got into by sitting down at the table and
0: just with like, the lawyers discussion. around the table and yeah. money being spent yeah pay us to have a friendly chat instead yeah no it's so <laughs> I've been on significant projects in the past where this exact thing has happened, where you're talking millions of pounds and I've never heard it, or perhaps I did at the time, get referred to as a true value adjudication, but you'd have the technical smash and grab adjudication where technically you, in inverted commas, lost and you had to make the payment for the technical failing of someone being off sick or whatever it was, but it was a disputed sum. So mine in your example, my 85 grand, I'm not due it. What would then happen is you would probably have to pay it to me, if correctly, right? And then you would go back the following month or whenever, do your own adjudication and say, you owe me that 85 grand because it's not due for reasons X, Y, and Z. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And
1: it does tend to be that it's through an adjudication because in theory, it could simply be rectified in the next month's account if it was during the project. But it's fairly unusual it doesn't never happen and but it's fairly unusual that you'd see a smash and grab midway through a project just because people are conscious about the relationship and getting the job done at that point it's at the end when you know people just care about the final account and the cash position rather than rather than the on-site relationship
0: so so what is it about adjudications that you don't like it sounds like you like the pure Simple way that we kind of framed it you you just missed a payment, I should be paid cash flow. That bit you're happy with, it's the nasty and ugly bit that I did at the end where I wasn't due that 85k that you don't like, yeah. Because, like I say,
1: I think it results in excess legal fees. Um, Generally, people trying to take advantage of a minor procedural flaw rather than the actual principle that this was brought in for people looking to avoid the payment obligations. That's not generally the case. it's usually people uh, a little bit late or made you know haven't referenced the document correctly that's that's sometimes a, an argument where the contract has quite strict requirements so it's it's almost taking advantage of those procedural errors rather than it going to the heart of why the construction act was introduced but look like you say i i've, I've acting for clients by the way of doing this. Are ourselves. you smirking and, from
0: ear to ear now, guys? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, at
1: the end of the day, this is the result of of the mechanisms and the the regime that was brought in by the Construction Act. So it, it's there for people to use. And it can be a really important negotiating tactic for subcontractor and contractors up the line where it, it can unlock... Uh, settlement in a final account that otherwise is looking pretty sticky
0: yeah because i have to have to say that you know from from my experience of being a subcontractor trying to get what so again let's go back to our example i wholeheartedly believe in that 85 grand or i might believe in, in 50 of that 85 grand right and i just think it's absurd that i'm getting stonewalled i'm getting told absolutely zero go away i'm not going to speak to you about that it's a zero you then present me with an opportunity because this is kind of how it is you think i'm getting absolutely no? i've been talking about this for six months they're rejecting it i'm losing money on it it's not right huh oh there's a little here we it's go just a, uh, you just think there's a little bit of light there and you know often perhaps that would not be with the full intention of executing an adjudication. But it might be a way of saying, look, guys, you've done this. Let's talk now. And and for me, in that position, and I'm sure you've advised clients in this position, why not? Because that is your moment of leverage. So, again, to some degree, uh, kind of repeat that question. It's what is there to, to not like about it? Because it is, I, I mean, I understand like the double adjudication like the whole thing it's a bit ridiculous but at the same time if the act is there to help cash flow and particularly right down to the bottom where i was why is it not a good thing that these things are in place whereby i then have that fragment of light in my life that i think okay i now have an opportunity to actually get some leverage because so often at that point as a subcontractor you feel like you feel leverage less, if that is even a word <laughs> Yeah, feel like you, you you don't you don't have the cards
1: to play. Exactly, the contractor does. Yeah, no, I, I completely get that. And like I said, in in advising you in that position, I'd be telling you to go for it. And so this is this is an opportunity. This gives you this gives you some bargaining power. Let's do it. Let's get that let's get that adjudication going. And pick up the phone, see if they pick up the phone, and see if we can get something sorted. That that is exactly what I would advise you. So I completely. Completely sympathise with that position, and it's it, especially for someone who works as or for subcontractors. Yeah, it's 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 an important tool. I I, I guess I'm just a bit of a bit of a purist when it comes to. it. <laughs> um, it's know, grinning I, from a,
0: ear to ear. He's loving
1: this. Yeah. <laughs> why? Well, what? You, so why are you a purist? Because after it, it's almost you know you have these things that are introduced with good intentions to to help people and prevent people being bullied into bankruptcy and insolvency and and all sorts. And it's just, it's become something it was never intended to be, I think i.e., something that's a negotiating tactic and
0: Manipulated.
1: Yeah. And and like I say, it, it really can be very minor technical failings, which as I said, on both sides, both in defending and bringing the claim you do rely on them very minor technical issues. Um,
0: Which is a bit panicky and ridiculous. Yeah, when, when you know, for example, right.
1: that there's a two million pound dispute, and you're talking about whether someone has
0: had a cold and didn't turn up for work. Yeah, or whether a
1: bank holiday means there's an extra day, or you know, someone hasn't referenced the project reference on the front of the payment notice properly, for example, or s- sent it to the right email address. You know, or it's it's these things that are the, at the heart of these disputes. And like I say, in the context of a £2 million dispute, that's not really what should be decided on. It is just a negotiating issue, which is, like I say, it's important and it's there to be used.
0: So it will be used. I mean, that, that resonates. Having been on the other side, you think, oh God, it's absolutely absurd thing to be happening on this project right now. So, so that I hear. I mean, fundamentally, a smash and grab adjudication shouldn't really happen if you understand your contract and you abide by your contract, right? So can we just talk about that a little bit and the advice that you give to QSs, contractors, your clients about, because effectively, what if you distill this conversation down, it comes down to one thing, doesn't it? Giving notice. So what is your advice around giving notice?
1: Well, I I would always say at the very start of the job, have a very clear schedule, whether it's in the contract itself, which we... If we're preparing a contract, we often do put a full payment schedule with the date that every notice is due in the contract itself, so it's clear. With contractors and subcontractors, that usually doesn't happen as often because it's more standard documents that are rolled out for every job. But that doesn't stop a QS from diarising or having their own schedule of when every single notice is going to be due. On that contract so that you know when the application date is going to be or the interim valuation date you know when the payment notice is due thereafter five days after the due date that's that's always the case and you know when the final date for payment is going to be as well so get them dates diarized and make sure they don't slip and you need to be preparing for them in advance as well because you don't want you don't want to be, you know, like you say, having a holiday booked at last minute and you get the reminder pop up at five o'clock the day before.
0: Is it as simple as because I think some people might think it goes back to uh it being almost pedantic smash and grab claims, right? Can we really make this absolutely certain for all that are listening? Go back to my example where I had to give notice on the tenth. If I don't give notice on the tenth, or sorry if you don't give notice on the 10th was the example right and it's now the 11th and you give me notice and you say i'm going to pay you 15 grand because i don't agree with that 85 grand you're completely knackered is that right
1: not entirely because you've got the pay less notice mechanism as well so as in in my position there although i've missed the payment notice your application then becomes what's referred to as the notified sum so that in if nothing else happens your application is a notified sum. That's what has to be paid on the final date of the payment. The option I have then is to say I have to pay less notice, which might be two days before, might be five days before the final date for payment. So I've got a second bite of the cherry in that situation.
0: Okay, so you, you've missed both. You missed the payment notice date and you missed the pay less date. So let's say the pay less date was on the 25th. It's now the 26th, right? You've missed both. What happens? Got to pay. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So that I think that is, yeah, it, it's as simple as that. You've got to pay. What happens if you do the pay notice? Let's say you do this. It's the 10th when you meant to give me a pay notice. You don't. You give me it on the 11th and you say 15 grand. And then you don't give me a pay less notice. Where would you stand?
1: Depends on... The contract and what exactly the requirements for the pay less notice are. give me are. a
0: lawyer's answer <laughs> Gen- the, the,
1: the, the default is that you're screwed because you, you, you've missed, really? you've missed okay. your boat. You've not served a valid payment notice. You've not served a pay less notice and that's it. Your notices are invalid. You've effectively not served a notice. You've got pay. where well, What we would do in that situation is look at, all the little loopholes, and whether the payment notice can be constituted as a pay less notice, whether you know whether there was any bank holidays or anything that would extend the date for payment. Uh, sorry, the payment notice date. So yeah, that we, we would look for the minor technicalities that might be able to get you out of it. But yeah, it, it, on the on the face of it, you've not served a valid notice, not served a tiniest notice, so you've you've missed the boat. Got
0: and so I know you can't answer this really, but give me a, a gut feeling for it. So we, that we then take, I take that case to adjudication, right, where you gave me payment notice for 15 grand on this really heavily disputed thing. Where you, it's been disputed for six months, that 85K is disputed. You gave it to me on the 11th, which is late, so it doesn't count, and then forgot a pay less notice. I take that to an adjudicator. Is an adjudicator seriously going to look at that and say, as Per the contract, you're late, pay the hundred grand. Or would they look at that and go, Well, I mean, come on, they were 24 hours late, and this is a heavily disputed thing? No,
1: no, you, you would win,
0: really. Yeah,
1: that's 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 the smashing garbage education. It's it's a very technical claim, technical knockout claim. and um, some people refer to it as because you've not served your notice, you've missed the boat. Tough luck, you've
0: got to pay. So, so, I mean, that. that hopefully that example really distills for anybody listening that really this entire conversation can be wrapped up in, whether you're going for money up the line or or paying down the line, having absolute clarity on your pay notice and on your pay less notice dates for every package on every project every single month is to some degree the crux of what you should be doing as a contracting business right because that you know i know you don't like the the leverage opportunity up the line but i mean you should really know it as a subcontractor or a main contractor trying to get paid by your client and you should definitely know it as a client or a main contractor paying your subcontractors because if you don't you're leaving yourself heavily exposed right
1: 100 percent, 100 percent. it's um almost admin stuff that people don't get into the day job for but it's vital It could like i say if, if you miss it then as someone who's got to pay, it can have massive implications. Could be, you know, you could have to pay out any sum that's claimed effectively. Obviously, there, there are things that have to go into the notices, there has to be a calculation behind it. So, in your, your situation, you've got your hundred grand, there has to be some calculation and substantiation behind that here we go he's trying
0: so, to stop he's trying to not get me paid now isn't he <laughs> oh well you, you
1: know paul i think you're only doing 15 grand so
0: <laughs> i knew but, this you're being far too nice about it
1: <laughs> but all that all that needs to be is for example a spreadsheet accompanying you you notice saying here's how i've made up that 100 grand and and that, that's all it needs to be just showing how you've got to that figure and then the the actual argument on the substantiation that comes later in what i refer to as the true value notice so if you if we do get to adjudication and you do win which you probably would i could i could then bring a claim against you to get my 85 grand back which you don't deserve (laughs) and that's when we were getting to the nitty-gritty details of you know all your the substantiation of your claim and why it is you think you're entitled to that
0: so so clear and you know i came into this conversation with some preconceptions about you know the nuance really between the two and kind of like what an adjudicator's mindset would be and like i said that there would be some logical rationale okay they're not really due to do that so i've learned a huge amount from this i'm absolutely certain that the listeners have as well and um Thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, Connor. It's been—it's our first episode together, but I um, have a feeling it will not be our last episode together. I'm pretty sure everyone listening will have taken a huge amount from that. I'll obviously share your details, Gordon's details, in the podcast description. All that's left to say, mate, is thank you for coming on the show and uh, giving us all your time.
1: My pleasure, Paul. Thank you for having me, and I'll be delighted to be back.
0: Excellent. And everybody, as always, I will speak to you next week. Have a cracking week ahead. See you later.